name, hallelujah. In Jesus' name. It is important every time we come into the house of the Lord to yield ourselves. Amen. We are his body. We need to yield ourselves to his spirit of truth that it could minister to us tonight. That's what I come for. I want to be, I want my heart to be ministered to. Amen. Uh, you may all be seated. Amen. Elder. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Lewis. Praise the Lord, everybody. Isn't God so good to us? Amen. Scripture you've heard before, but I have to remind myself sometimes when we get busy, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Um, The Lord will, I I was in communication with someone earlier this week, and, uh, you know, we deal with things in our walk with God. As children of God um, and in our roles on our job, whatever role or function we may operate in in ministry, we deal with things and sometimes those things grieve us, right? And that's that's part of it. Um, you've heard us talk before about the difference between human compassion, human emotion and feeling what God feels. And uh, there are times that God allows us to feel what he feels. Uh, The Apostle Paul said that he wanted to know the Lord. And he said, I want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering and in the power of his resurrection. Uh, He knew that to truly know God, it wasn't just enough to know him in power. He also had to have fellowship with his suffering. That allows the identification with God. But I was in communication with someone, and they had expressed to us um, kindness and compassion for something I was dealing with and feeling and identifying with it. And uh, I had responded. I said, "I, I feel like the Lord is allowing me to identify with how he feels and I made this statement I said I don't like it I didn't mean I don't like the Lord helping me identify I mean I don't like what he feels sometimes so there are times the Lord allows us to feel things not so we take ownership of them but we can identify that often happens in places of prayer and intercession. But we do not walk around carrying those things. Okay. We identify with them. Um, but you've heard me say before, this is what we're going to talk about. Well, I guess we're talking about it, but this is... <laughs> um, You've heard me say before that anytime we're in a place of intercession, that when we, we should always finish that place of prayer with a time of praise and thanksgiving and worship. What is that? That's putting back on the garment of praise. 
All right. We can look around the world around us, and there is a spirit of heaviness. They ought to see a difference in the people of God. Amen? I'm not talking about going around and going, oh, no, everything's wonderful. You know, I'm happy. It's a great day. And being fake, I'm not talking about that. But we have to, you know, David, when he came back to Ziklag and saw the city burning and the women and the people gone and all of his men were ready to stone him, the scripture says he went and he got a word from God. He encouraged himself. Not in the circumstances. Those weren't encouraging. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And guess what? When he started encouraging himself in the Lord, he got a word from the Lord for the situation. And he said, okay, now I know what to do. But it started by him encouraging himself in the Lord. Uh, again, I, I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about emotional hype here. Come on, just pick yourself up. Just make yourself feel better. Come on, just speak positive thoughts. Smile, happy face. I'm not talking about that junk. Talking about being in a place of prayer and fellowship with God where the joy of the Lord becomes our strength. Where we fellowship him and the peace of God rules and reigns in our hearts and thoughts rather than everything else that would try to rule and reign there. Where the joy of the Lord that's unspeakable and full of glory begins to manifest. Where righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost is operative in our lives. And so we, we have to learn to go to that place in him. Amen? We will face things. We will have bad days. There will be circumstances of life. There will be the pains of, of relationships. You can, you can fill in the blank. There will be those things. We don't discount those things. We don't dismiss them. There are seasons of life. The Bible talks about a, a time to weep and a time to... All, there's time for these things. Um, but it's important that we know we don't live in those places as a child of God filled with the Spirit of God. We abide in Him. We abide in Him. We abide in Him. We abide in him and we draw strength one from another. Amen. So what I'd like you to do right there where you're at, if you can, if you need to move around a little bit, I'd like you to find somebody beside you and agree together in prayer. Would you do that right now? Would you just find someone to agree in prayer with? And I want you to just pray strength and blessing in their life. The Bible says that the body is compacted or strengthened by that which every joint supplies. There's something supplied in the joints. Okay, there's something supplied in the joints. So would you begin to pray? And I believe the Holy Ghost is going to work according to his word. And that there will be strength supplied through the joints. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I want you to start by anything you brought in that you cast it on the Lord. Then you begin praying for your brother, praying for your sister, praying for your spouse, praying 
Come on, pray the joy of the Lord, the strength of the Lord, the ministry of the Spirit of God. Lord, you know what my brother has that I need. You know what I have that they need. And so I pray in this place of unity and prayer that there would be a spiritual exchange ordained of the Holy Ghost, that there would be a supply that what I have in abundance would be released to my brother and sister and what they have would be released that there would be an equality given of the Holy Ghost, a, a ministry one to the other according to your will, Father. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, there is a stirring of the Spirit that you're feeling. This is the operation of the body to minister one to the other. I don't have to know every detail. You don't have to know every detail. I just trust the Holy Ghost to flow between us as, as the body of Christ. I trust the Holy Ghost to minister. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, quickening spirit of God, minister to my sister tonight. Minister to my brother tonight, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the ministry of your spirit in and through the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the operation of your spirit in and through the body of Christ. Thank you for the witness of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the privilege of prayer and the power therein. Jesus, we pray in faith. We pray in faith. We pray in faith. Faith in you. Faith in you. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is impossible with you. You are God. You are well able. We worship you and we pray in faith tonight. We pray in faith. In the name of Jesus. Faith in the name. Faith in the word. Faith in your spirit. Hallelujah. 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 We direct our faith to you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I offer you praise. I offer you praise. I offer you praise. The fruit of my lips, the cry of my heart, the declaration of my spirit. I offer you praise. You are the one true living God, and I praise you. I praise you. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand to your feet, lift your hands, and lift your voice, and offer praise. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. You are our shield and our buckler, our strong tower and our defense. You are my rock. You are my fortress. You are my shield, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I worship you, I worship you, I worship you. Hallelujah.
You are my righteousness. It is you, Father. It is you I worship. You are my healer. You are my deliverer. You are my way. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, the life. And I worship you tonight. You've been nothing but good to me. You've been nothing but good to me. You've been nothing but good to me. Hallelujah. You've been nothing but good to me. And I thank you and I praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. You put a song into my spirit. A song that the angels can't sing. Thank you, Jesus. You redeemed me to yourself. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. There's a song we used to sing said, He's been nothing but good to me. All of my life, it's easy to see. He's been nothing but good to me. Amen. Sometimes I have to remind myself. Amen. He never failed me. He never broke his word to me. He never did anything that was not for my good. He's been faithful. He's never left me. He's never harmed me. He's never hurt me. Even when I didn't deserve it, he loved me. Even when I failed him, he was faithful still. Even when I came up short, he was waiting with open arms. He's been nothing but good to me. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. I trust you tonight. I trust you. I trust you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Aren't you glad you know him tonight? Aren't you glad he knows you? <laughs> Amen. Praise God. You can be seated this evening. The Lord bless you. Amen. Remind me, I have announcements after service. I want to, get, I want to dive into the word um, we're going to teach tonight. We're going to pick up where I thought we were last Thursday. We did not. The Lord had a little difference of direction, which was fine. We trust that. We submit to that. Amen. And um, I believe the Lord had his way last week. And uh, if you go back a couple of weeks, uh, we sort of ended. Anybody remember the? Two Thursday nights ago, we talked about abomination, abominations. And in the Old Testament, 
abomination has two different words, right? Shekets and Tovea. Shekets was ceremonial abomination. Tovea was an abomination unto the Lord. Um, if you look at that in Leviticus 11 where we read, remember we talked about, we were talking about shrimp and yeah, you guys are like, if you weren't here, you're like, what? But we were talking about eating fish without scales that the Bible talked about, these things that were. If you read through that in Leviticus, we didn't draw attention to this now, but you go back and you'll see it clearly. The Lord said repeatedly again when he used that word abomination, that's an abomination to you. Israel, that's an abomination to you if you eat that. That's an abomination to you. But when he spoke, often when you see the word tovea, abomination in Hebrew, tovea, it says it's an abomination unto the Lord. The ceremonial one, he was saying that's unclean to you. That's why we can bless the food now that Paul talked about in Romans. He said, you know, eat what's set before you with thanksgiving. You can bless the shrimp and eat it. Okay, if that's your deal. Okay. But the things that were abomination to the Lord remain abomination to the Lord because he doesn't change. Tovia, 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 I don't I'm not, I can't speak Hebrew, but look it up. And shikets, the difference, okay? And we left you, we sort of left there with a, we'll continue down this road, right? And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up with the verse we ended with. And I don't know that I've ever walked through this before. I have a question for you. I sent out via WhatsApp a message uh, that Bishop had forwarded to all the elders and encouraged us to share from Brother Nathan Heiner on a Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago. Or it would have been last week because it was the night before that I thought I was going to go with all these notes. Um, how many of you? Don't worry, we're not. This is. I just want to. I need to know how many of you. Raise your hand if you w were able to watch and listen to that. Okay, a few. Okay, so I'm just going to tell you. I did not go back and like write notes from him teaching. I believe it's where the Lord has us. So for, for some of you, this is going to be repetitive to some degree. But I'm telling you, down to some of the Greek words, he highlighted some of the very things. When I was listening to that, I'm like, man, the Lord is one. This is where we are. Okay? Now, I feel like I need to give these, uh, I wouldn't call them disclaimers. I would call them clarifiers. We are in a journey with God. Amen? We are in a journey with, in relationship. Every one of us are at different places on this journey. Okay? If you've been here any length of time, you know that we are not about let us give you a list of rules to follow. Do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, don't. Right? Now, now we believe some specific things from the Word. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. Right? Um. But what often happens when we begin to teach some of these things from the word that I'm going to teach tonight is it's easy for our human nature to begin to go, okay, give me the rule. Tell me the rule. Well, the moment we start doing that, we start crossing into legalism. Okay? But there is instruction in the Holy Ghost and in the, in the word about some of these things. And so we're going to walk through them tonight. And 
I'm praying, Lord, let us hear the word of God. Let us receive the word of God. Bring revelation and understanding to us. And then if we have question, ask. Is that fair? Is that good? Ask. And we know from the word of God that the word can offend people. Anybody ever been offended by the word? Okay, I have. My hand's up. And I've wrestled over it, sometimes to my own detriment, but thank God he's merciful and long-suffering. So the word will offend us. The Bible tells us that. And so I want to go back and let the word work in my life. I don't believe the word will be offensive tonight. I'm not telling you that because I'm getting ready to offend you, (laughs) okay? But we're going to touch on things tonight about male and female from the word of God, okay? And because there's males and females in the room, that's all that's in the room, by the way. Just in case you thought, well, what else is in the room? That's it. Okay. Um, All right. Amen. So we're still talking about this concept of holiness unto the Lord. Holiness being separated unto the Lord. Right? Not separate just for the sake of being separate, right? But separated unto the Lord. The way I separated myself from other relationships of any type with females in any degree, other than separating myself unto my wife as her husband, right? Any other relationship I have with a female is dramatically different because I've separated myself unto my wife, right? Um, when you're single, it's different to some degree. You still ought to keep yourself pure unto the Lord, by the way. Everybody said amen. It's true whether you said amen or not. (laughs) But you should keep yourself pure unto the Lord, even if you're single. But some of you singles are like players. No, man, I'm not tied to anybody. Check with this one. I check with that one. Just God bless you. Just stay pure. Keep yourself separated under the Lord. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm really trying to go somewhere. So holiness under the Lord, separated unto God. And as we've said before, but I want to say this again. I'm not on a kick. The Lord is dealing with us, I believe, with all of my heart. The reason he's dealing with us about holiness and separation unto him for so many. I don't do series, but here we are. I don't know how many weeks we've been talking about this. I think since back in September. The Lord is dealing with us about being separated unto him because of his desire to use and work through us. And he's going to work through those that are separated unto him. He's not going to share us with another. All right? He's going to work through a clean vessel, not an unclean one. So he's going to separate us pure... Right? Different. Okay. So holiness unto the Lord. I wrote a note here. I just got a lot of scriptures here. If you're seeing me look through paper and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, he's got notes. What in the world's coming, the world's coming to? Um, I just have a lot of scripture on here. But I put this so I can find holiness unto the Lord, separation and distinction. Everybody say distinction. Distinction of gender. 
sounds like a thesis for a college class or something. It's not that, but we're going to talk about it from the Word of God. Amen? Deuteronomy 22 and 5, this is where we finished two weeks ago when we talked about abominations. And so if you just pick this up and you missed all that, go back and look. It's, you can see it on YouTube or you can find it on the podcast if you just want to listen. Deuteronomy 22 and 5. The woman shall not wear that which pertains unto a man. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination. Which, which Hebrew word is that? Yeah, you guys are like, I can't remember how to say it, but it's the one, that, the toe one. Toe. Yeah, toeva. All that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Notice, he didn't say it's an abomination to you, like we read in Leviticus 11 about some of those different foods that were ceremonial. He said, when a man puts on woman's clothes or a woman puts on man's that which pertains to a man, that's an abomination to the Lord thy God. And so he doesn't change. So some people say, well, hold on. Some of this stuff is Old Testament. This is why we have to distinguish this difference of words. Well, yeah, but the Old Testament says you shouldn't eat shrimp, too. Different word. That's why we went through that about abominations. Does that make sense? Abomination to us, ceremonial abomination. We're not under the law anymore. Abomination to the Lord, not under the law anymore, but God doesn't change. If he hated it in the Old Testament, he still hates it. Does that make sense? When we read in Proverbs about an abomination, a lying tongue, a proud look, he didn't stop hating those things because we're in the New Testament now. Okay? So, so why does the Lord hate this? Why does the Lord care what people wear? You ever ask that question? He loves me. Why does he care what I wear? Does he care what you wear? I think he does. All right. If we're filled with the Holy Ghost and this body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, I think he probably cares how the temple is arrayed. Amen? And if we are the body of Christ and we're walking about in the earth, he probably cares about what people see. Now, I've heard... I'm already off my notes. I've heard people say, make this statement. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. Is that true? It's absolutely true, isn't it? Is that true? God looks on the heart, doesn't he? Who looks on the outward? Who? Okay. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. So I have a question. When I'm walking around through the mall or I'm going to work on my job, can people look into my heart? No? They can't, can they? I can't go. My coworker doesn't go, oh, I see what's in your heart right now. Can they do that? No. What do they look at? They look at what? So does it matter what they're seeing? See, what's in the heart becomes reflected outwardly. Where we get it wrong is this is what becomes legalism. 
tell me what I should and shouldn't wear. Tell me how I should and shouldn't look. Tell me all the rules, and I'll get all that right, but I'll never deal with my heart. I got to get the heart right. I may be able to fool people with all the outward appearance, but I won't fool God. But if God deals with my heart, it will begin to manifest itself outwardly. Amen? Okay. So, so why is God so caught up in all this? Many reasons. But I'll tell you one of the key reasons why it matters to God. Genesis 1 and 27. We're going to read some reasons why it matters to God. This is the primary reason it matters to God. One of the primary reasons. Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in what? This matters to God. He created us in His own image. In the image of God created He Him. Watch. How did He create them? God was not confused about pronouns. Let's just be real, okay? He wasn't confused. God created them male and female. This is why it matters to God. One of the primary reasons. Okay? Genesis 5 and 2. In case it just seemed like a one-time mention. Genesis 5 and 2. Male and female created he them... And watch what he did after that. And blessed them and called their name Adam in the day they were created. Matthew 19 and 4. I'm going to be moving quick, Brother Jerry, for sake of time. Matthew 19 and 4. Jesus is speaking. And Jesus answered and said to them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Mark 10 and chapter Mark chapter 10 and verse 6 Jesus is speaking and he says but from the beginning of the creation everybody say from the beginning that means it was established at the beginning doesn't just mean the first time he did it, it was it does mean that but it was established Genesis is a book of principles principles of first mention principles of beginning there was something he was establishing when he created mankind I made them male and female. I created them with distinction. I created them with separate function, separate role. I designed them to be one flesh. But I created them with distinction. And so Jesus referenced that. The reason the Lord cares about these things is because it is a distinction between male and female. All right? Distinction. This is about holiness unto the Lord. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We see teaching from the Apostle Paul to the church in this vein of distinction. Speaking, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Verse number 3, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 3. 
But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man, verse 4, praying or prophesying, having his head covered. Now, we see head used here a lot. One head is head of authority. Okay? One head is the head you got on your shoulders. Okay? Every man praying or prophesying, having his head on his shoulders covered, dishonors his head. Which head is he dishonoring? Christ. Right? Christ is the head of the man. So if the man prays or prophesies with his head covered, he is dishonoring Christ. Does that make sense? Okay. Verse 5. But every woman that prays or prophesies with her head covered, which head's he talking about? The one on her shoulders, right? Every woman that prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. Which head there is it talking about? Right, her spiritual covering, right? Her husband, if she's married, spiritual authority in her life. Okay, watch. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. Verse 6. For if the woman be not covered, then let her be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. All right. Now, we're going to read further here in a second. Clearly, the Apostle Paul is addressing covering of a man and a woman on their head and how it reflects on their head. That makes sense? Okay. So, skip down to verse 13. You can read verses 7 through 12. There's nothing in it. We're not skipping those over intentionally as though there's something we don't want to talk about. We're just t- time. Verse 13, Paul says, Judge in yourselves. Everybody say, Judge. judge. Now, he's not saying judge others, judge in yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray to God uncovered? What do you think the answer is? No, right? He's, it's a rhetorical question that he's asking here. Is it comely that a woman does this? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it's a shame to who? To him. Okay, But if a woman have long hair, what's the difference? It's glory to her. Why? For her hair is given her for what? A covering. So now we understand those verses we read before in 1 Corinthians. The covering is what? The hair. Does that make sense? I mean, is that what the Bible said? Her hair is given her for a covering. Now, so if a man prays or prophesies with his head covered, it's a shame to him. Does that mean if a man prays with a hat on, it's a shame? 
No, that is not what it means. Okay, here's why. You're listening. I want you. Some of you thinking. That's good. I want you thinking. That's why I asked that question. Okay, that's not what it means. What's given to the woman for a covering? Her hair. So we know from Scripture then that covering is the hair. Yes, upon the head. That's the covering. So we don't go, okay, for a woman the covering's the hair, but for a man it's something natural and man-made. You with me? So a ball cap doesn't become a covering. Now, I mean, in the natural it's a covering, but scripturally that's not. Okay, we draw on this distinction. Now, um, how many of you have ever seen a bald man? Okay, I'm trying not to look around the room. Some of you are, some of you are more follically challenged than others. Okay, how many of you, when you saw a bald man, you thought that is so strange? Something must clearly be wrong. They are not growing hair. You didn't think that, did you? Now, how many of you have ever seen a woman that was bald? Now, when you saw that, what did it make you? What did you know about that? There, what? Cancer, sick, diseased. Why? Why? Because. Doesn't nature itself teach you? Nature teaches you. It's natural for some men to lose their hair. That's not an unnatural thing. Right? For a man to go bald as he grows older for some men, that's not unnatural. For that to begin to happen to a woman, something's not natural. There's a sickness. D- does that make sense tonight? Does nature teach us? Nature teaches us. Even in the covering. All right. Um, and so we read here. If the woman's not covered, then let her be shorn. Well, that's a little extreme, Paul. Don't you think? Why would he say if she's not covered, just let her be shorn? I'm in verse 6. He said if it's a shame for her to be shorn or shaven, then let her be covered. See, he's drawing this distinction. He's not saying Whoever has the longest hair among women has the most covering. You with me? So what's the distinction if it's not how long it is? I remember my mom at times. I don't know that I ever heard her voice it, but at times I seems like I felt it. Maybe it was just me. But my mom's hair never got really, really long. Just barely down past her. Might have come to the bottom of her shoulder blades. Maybe. Maybe. Probably not even that. 
And she had some friends and family that, man, they had, they had hair that down to the back of their knees, just long. And I know at times my mom, that would, well, it's not about how long, right? Would God do that and go, okay, let's see, I'm going to put more glory on Sister Priscilla than Sister Autumn. I'm going to make her hair grow really long, but I'm going to make hers only grow past her shoulders. No, we're framed differently. So the measure isn't how long shorn or shaven is whether it's cut or not. And if you look at the word and you, we do a deep word study and a dive into this, when he talks about if we agree it's a shame for this to be the case, then go ahead and just shave it. It's altogether the same as if she were shaven is what he said. And so it's a cutting of hair. So we know for a woman, her glory is her uncut hair. It's a glory to her. It becomes glory to her because her hair is given for that covering. And when she has that covering on her head, my wife honors me as her head by having uncut hair. Does that make sense? It's not shorn. It's not shaven. Many of you in the room probably have hair longer than hers. It's not the length issue. She honors me as her head. Now, if I came in here in a few months and I hadn't cut my hair for a while and just swinging the locks around, right? That just felt weird doing that. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. I don't know what that was. See, just you trying to picture that's got you going, that's crazy. Right? You're going, hold on a minute. Okay. But if I came in here with long hair, what's going on here? Why? Because if I pray or prophesy with my head covered, so if the definition for a woman of covered is uncut, then for a man to not cut his hair would have his head be covered, which is a shame for a man. Does that make sense? And so that's now. See, you all thought, well, this has just been the way people did it for a while, but we're moving into the 2000s and people are changing. No, things were rooted in scriptural principle but with different movements and times and progressive thinking and things like that, we begin to see this line blur between this distinction of gender that we find in the Scripture. You with me? And so, ladies, your hair is given you for a covering. It's glory to you. Men, your hair should be cut. Amen? Praise God. Now, I, I'm going to say this. We can do a Bible study, men, sometime if you want to. I don't have much time tonight. I get asked, somebody asked me this the other day. Who was it? Luis. Luis asked me the other day, Brother Hart, can I ask you a question? Sure. He said, you ever grow out a beard? Look, y'all laughing again. I don't know if you're laughing at Luis or laughing, imagining me with a beard. They're like, both. 
I said, no, probably two to three days. My says, I, I might have done three or four before, but so I, I'm like, no, no, I really haven't. He says, I think you'd look good with a beard. <laughs> Thank you. Appealing to my ego right there. <laughs> Pride and ego, right? Pride of life, right? Pride of life. And so somebody says, do you think men should or shouldn't have beards? I'm going to tell you this again. We can talk about this some other time. Don't get offended at me. Don't run out of here. Okay. If you want to ask questions, come later and ask questions. I believe scripturally men can have beards. How many of you have ever seen pictures of Jewish rabbis and Jewish men with beards? Anybody? Me too. Don't they just look handsome and beautiful and... No? Why not? Because they're just all like, like it's out of control. You know why that is, don't you? Because the scripture teaches them that if they're going to have one, they should not trim or cut the corners. It's the word. <laughs> Look, it's, it's important that we know what's in the word, isn't it? I'm glad we're laughing a little bit, but you, you understand the seriousness of these things. It's distinction that the Lord gives, separate, and he, he intends for distinction. And this, this is about a separation of gender, but it's separation unto the Lord. I want my wife to look like a lady. Amen? All right. This is important. And so, if I were to grow a beard, for me to have peace with it, I'd have to let it just grow. Now, here's the thing. Now, I want you to think about this. I want you to understand some things here. Why, why, why do these things matter to the Lord? Because I want you to think about our outward appearance, our outward adornment, these different things that we often would do. If I'm growing a beard and then I'm trimming it, cleaning it, getting all this stuff, right? Fixing my hair. You see how pride shows up so quickly? Get one of these 22-year-old men and mess up their hair or something. Like, some of them don't care. Like, you know, whatever. Carlos, like, do whatever you want. Okay. But there's, remember, there's some things. There's the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And so there's something that the Lord understands about our nature that when we begin putting all this attention into these things, what is our motive? Okay. All right. First Timothy chapter two. Verse eight. Paul is instructing young Timothy. 
I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So he's talking about prayer, praise, worship, yes? In like manner also, whoa, 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 whoa. what's he talking about? Prayer, praise, worship. In like manner also. So is he still talking about prayer, praise, worship? In like manner. Also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Now, I want us to look at verse 9 there. That word modest is a word that is lost in our culture today. Okay. There was a movement a little while back that was going around. I, I loved it. I wish it would have took on more hold and just stayed. It said modest is hottest. Something, I don't know that the kids liked it, but I loved it. Um, here, here's what that word modest means in the Greek. See, the Greek is such a beautiful language because it's very... Explanatory. The word modest, again, he's talking about how one is adorned, and he's saying it's like manner of praise and worship unto God. Modest, well arranged, seemly, modest, of good behavior. What? And he's talking about apparel, right? Modest apparel. Well-arranged, seemly, modest, of good behavior. People can wear apparel that's not good behavior apparel. <laughs> All right. With shamefacedness. That doesn't mean like this. Okay. That's not what this is talking about. That's not that word. The word that he used there is... Watch this, what that word shamefacedness means. And he, again, ladies, he's talking about how you're adorned. A sense of honor is what that word means. A sense of honor, modesty, reverence, regard for others, and respect. I have a question for you. Who is being honored and reverenced? By this modest apparel and shamefacedness that a woman puts on. Not a trick question. The Lord, right? We're talking about praise and worship in like manner also. It's honoring God. It's what is this about regard for others? How do others view us? Now, we don't build our action based on others' perceptions, but we understand what we started at, where we talked about at the beginning. Man looks on the outward appearance. So we consider, I'm a representative of the Lord. I'm part of the body of Christ. And so 
Paul was talking about when he said not with gold or pearls or costly array. There was these elements, if you go back and study, where they would weave strands of gold stuff into their hair. It was very ornamental, costly, and it was all about drawing attention to them. But notice he says, but, but which becometh women professing godliness. He was saying how you adorn yourself. If you adorn yourself with modesty and shamefacedness, if you adorn yourself this way, you are professing godliness, which is literally reverence towards God's goodness. You understand that? What you and I put on and what people see us wear becomes a profession of some sort. And Paul told Timothy, this manner of adornment becomes women that profess godliness. Does that make sense? Now, You ever heard of a of a cross-dressing men? Yeah. You have. Okay. What's the first two things they change if they want to appear as a woman? What's that? Their hair and their clothes. Right? Their hair and their apparel. First two things. Is that, is that a fair statement? Their hair and their apparel. You find a young lady that says, you know what? I don't want to identify as a woman. I want to identify as a man. What's the first two things they change? Change the apparel. You won't find them walking around in a dress. Right? What's going on? They're changing the two things. See, we don't even realize it. That scripturally the Lord addresses. That is a distinction. That he made. Understand, not rules and legality. But the separation unto himself. He wants men that are men. And he wants women that are women. And he wants a man's life to honor its head and a woman's life to honor her head. And thereby the body of Christ is glorified and is seen in the earth and it professes godliness to a lost world. There's distinction. This is, does this make sense tonight? This is why we have these lines. Now, if you're sitting here and you're going, well, can I wear this or can I wear that? Should I wear it? You're starting to make it about rules. I tell you what you need to begin to do is you need to go, does this honor God? Now, I'll tell you a good measure. I'm aware of the time. I hope you're doing okay. I'll tell you a good measure. Let me ask you a question. Well, I need to quit using my example because you guys laugh at me. 
if I came in here and my shirt was only buttoned to here, scares me too. <laughs> my shirt was only buttoned to here and it was open and you had this nice good view of my chest here. I, I'm, I'm being, obviously I'm being sarcastic, but you would be, you wouldn't, that's not modest, is it? Okay. Ladies. We, is this okay? I'm being a little pastoral here tonight. If you're a guest, give me grace. Ask questions later. If I shouldn't be showing that, neither should you. Probably more so. Because this probably ain't going to tempt nobody. <laughs> is that too plain? See, we can laugh talking about the word, but we need to understand why. Holiness and separation unto the Lord. What, what does that do? Remember, I, I've mentioned it before. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Okay. Now, I, I, I'm just going to pause right here for a minute. I, I didn't plan on this, but I want to pause it here for a minute. Here, here's some things to consider. Okay, I just want you to consider these things. Pray about these things in regards to dress, in respect to modesty of our adornment, okay? Things we should consider, I believe. We should consider the length of our sleeves. Is that fair? You will, you'll never see me in a sleeveless shirt, okay? I have a conviction about my arms covered. Sometimes I get a little conscientious if I put on a polo and the sleeves are a little short. I get a little antsy. Okay? I think that's something you should consider. Um, necklines. We just talked about that. Uh, I shared this a few weeks ago when we were talking to somebody. Um, you'll, you'll never see me in shorts. Yeah, I mean, you may see me in, long, in like three-quarter pants. You won't see anything above my knee. Where do I get that line from? Let me explain where I get that line from, okay? And, and you won't see my wife and daughter, well, my daughter as long as she's in my home. You, you won't, and I don't think ever, you won't see them in skirts or dresses that are above their knee. Where does, where does that line come? Look, when you see a lady in a miniskirt, does that create lust of the eye, lust of the flesh? Now, that's not the lady's fault in terms of like a, whatever goes on in a man's heart. That's the man's fault. So I'm not, I'm not talking about assigning blame to a woman, okay? But a woman has a responsibility for what people see, okay? But here, here's why the, the knee is the measure. If you look in the Old Testament... The Old Testament, there were many places where the Word of God talked to the people of God about their nakedness being uncovered, to be uncovered and to show their nakedness. And any time any part of the thigh was visible, it was considered that they were showing their nakedness. Okay? You can go study that. But if you're going, well, how do you get these... 
there's some biblical basis for drawing lines for me. Okay, it's not just random, arbitrarily go, I think this is a good idea. And so that becomes, that's the line for me. I don't want to show nakedness. There's a reason why the priests wore these long robes when they went into the temple. They didn't want to risk anything happening where they would step, and by some chance they would expose any nakedness. Okay? So, is that okay? So you need to think about those things. Sleeve, neckline, dress length, tight clothes, thin clothes. Is that okay? We should be thinking about that. I'll never forget. Quite a few years ago, we still lived on the west side, and the church at the time, we had a softball team. We played in these uh, softball games at night. And, um, and so I remember one of the guys on the team that played a lot, he gave me a pair of uh, baseball pants. I'd never had a pair of baseball pants before that I remember. And so we had our jerseys that had the, logo, the name on them, and I had my baseball pants or a T-shirt and whatever. And I remember I didn't think anything of it. Until somebody said something to me one time in private, off to the side. I said, Brother Hart, I don't... Man, those pants just seem awful tight to me. I'm pretty skinny. <laughs> and when they, when they told me that, it convicted me. I thought, I hadn't even thought about that. Now you say, well, what business of that was theirs? Maybe none. I was glad they said something to me. Okay. Um, again, what we want to be thinking about is, here's what the adversary gets us to do when we talk about these things. He gets us to focus on the, well, why? How come? What? And we forget, no, no. It's about professing godliness. It's about holiness and separation unto the Lord. It's about adorning myself in a manner that pleases God and draws glory and attention to Him, not to me. Amen. Now, um, just things to consider. Uh, let me hurry here. Go to First Peter chapter 3. Um, I think this is something to note as you're turning there. Until there was sin in the garden, people say, well, you know what? Adam and Eve, God created them. They didn't have nothing on. True. They were in innocence. They were clothed with the glory of God in the garden. They were clothed with the glory of God. The problem was they sinned. And after sin, they tried to cover themselves they used fig leaves. That wasn't adequate. What did the Lord do? The Lord didn't say, you know what, I created you this way. Get rid of those leaves. No, the Lord covered them with animal skins. Blood was shed, a sacrifice, and he covered them. And it has been the pattern of God ever since that our bodies would be covered. All right? We've talked a lot in the last several weeks about clean and unclean and putting the difference. It's not coincidental that when you read about people that are unclean in Scripture, you ever read about the man in the tombs at Gadara would cut himself, they tried to bind him with chains, but he'd break them asunder? 
He was naked in the tombs. He was in this possessed with thousands of devils. And one of the things that manifested itself outwardly was he would be naked and unclothed. He would begin to expose his body, uncover his nakedness. Acts chapter 19, we read about the seven sons of Sceva who have the man possessed and they say, by Jesus that Paul preaches, we adjure thee to come out. And those unclean spirits said, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who are you? And it says those spirits came out of that man and leaped on the seven sons of Sceva. And they ran from the house naked. When those unclean spirits leapt on them, they began ripping their clothes off. You watch somebody that, God forbid, has lived for God, and then they go back from living for God. and They start exposing more and more of their flesh. There becomes less and less covering. Now, 1 Peter 3. I got to hurry up because it's snowing. How cool is that? I'm getting some dirty looks out there. 1 Peter 3 and verse number 1. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word. Do you catch that? Without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. That scripture never ceases to blow my mind. It says that a husband that doesn't obey the word can be won without the word. Is that what it says? See, that blows my mind. How? By the conversation of the wives. That word conversation doesn't just mean how they talk. It does mean that. But it's their lifestyle. How they live. How they carry themselves. How they adorn themselves. Ladies, that is the power of a lifestyle separated unto God. It can win a lost husband without the word. Why do you think the adversary wants you to dismiss holiness and separation unto God? Let's keep reading. How's that going to work? Verse 2. While they behold your chaste conversation, again, conversation is lifestyle, coupled with fear. That word chaste there is pure from carnality or fleshliness. Pure, modest, Pure from every fault, immaculate. Whose adorning, Peter also, Paul spoke about adorning. Peter speaks about it. Whose adorning, don't let it be the outward adorning of plating the hair, wearing of gold, putting on of apparel. He's not saying don't put on apparel here. Not contradicting Paul. If you read and you study, he's speaking against expensive ornamentation, ornamentation, over-the-top lavishness of dress. We have to guard against that even in the church. We really do. I think we should 
look our best when we come to the house of God, if at all possible. I know sometimes we come straight from work. I respect that. This isn't about nitpicking people. Don't, again, don't make it that tonight. But I'm not putting on a tire to draw the attention to self, self, self. My $3,000 suit and my God forbid. Amen. Verse four, let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God. Notice in the sight of God what it is. It's of a great price. In the sight of God, God who looks on the heart. Peter's talking about the adornment outwardly, but God who looks on the heart. Peter says the meek and the quiet spirit in the sight of God is of great price. Here's what that literally says. In the presence of God toward which another would turn their eyes. You find someone adorned this way with a meek and quiet spirit. It causes God to turn his eyes and look on that woman. Because it's of great price. It's very costly, excellent, and of surpassing value to God. That's the literal words he used. Why do you think people say, ah, it doesn't matter how you dress, whatever. They're dismissing what's of great value to God. Ladies, when you adorn yourself this way according to the word, it causes God to turn his eyes on you. That's what the scripture literally says. And says that's of great value to me. But the adversary wants to diminish your value. You don't have to raise your hand. I've heard this statement before. Where someone may have been. Maybe a lady was really scantily clad and. Exposed almost. And someone would make the statement. They just don't respect themselves. You ever heard that? They don't respect themselves. Really what it is. Is they don't have a picture of their value. But when we understand. That this type of adornment. God says wow. That's valuable. Look at that. It reflects me. It honors their head. It's of great value. Verse 5, for after this manner in the old time, the holy women also. See, he's pointing back to the Old Testament. After this manner in the old times, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves. He's pointing back for a pattern. Being in subjection to their own husband. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. We can make jokes about that at another time. Whose daughters you are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Now, if you're sitting here and you're going, man, the guys are getting off easy. Hold on a minute. Here we are. I know we've talked about a couple things about men, but let's look at verse 7. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them. Who's them? The wife. According to knowledge. Means don't be ignorant. Giving honor where? To the wife, as unto the weaker vessel. That does not mean inferior. Okay? It's understanding the way God has made male and female to function together. 
Christ the head of the man, the man the head of the woman, but they are help meets. We know that from Genesis, not thumb head. Got my thumb over you. But we understand the woman is the weaker vessel. So we give honor to her. We cover her. We have knowledge of that. We seek to protect her. We give honor to her as being heirs together of the grace of That word there of giving honor to her, it actually ties back to verse 4 where it speaks of God having great price, how he views a woman that's adorned this way with a meek and quiet spirit in these different ways, and God views it as great price. When Peter said men that they should honor the wife, he was saying, you need to honor her, recognizing that a woman that's adorned like that, the way God sees great value there, you need to honor her, recognizing great value there as well, men. I'm just going to tell you, I haven't always been good at that. I want to be good at that. I want to recognize the great value and the price. Amen? Why is that so important? That your prayers be not hindered. Talk about hitting a brick wall. I'll finish. Stand with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 4. Jesus' name. Every one of you, this is what Paul was saying, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel. This vessel. How do we want to possess it? In sanctification and honor. Every one of you should know how, he's saying. How are we going to know? By the indwelling gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will convict us about things. Align with the Word. The Word gives us guidelines, and then we pursue them based on the Word of God and sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. Husbands and wives, you keep each other accountable. You keep each other accountable. I can probably count on one hand in 30 years of marriage, but I can tell you there's been a few times where I've said, Baby, are you going to wear that? And usually once I ask that question, the answer was no. Now, I'm not a, I think my wife would tell you, I'm not like a, a clothes critic or a picky little, I have tastes and likes and stuff. If I were to ask her something like that, it would be because I think maybe it's revealing just a bit too much. I think maybe it's a bit tighter than I'd like to see her showing anybody besides me. She's my wife. You with me? And so I'm not the clothes police in our house. I don't say, come check in with me before we leave the house. I, I know some people that have been that way. I'm, like I said, I could probably count on one hand in 30 years of marriage how many times that's happened. Why well, I have a responsibility giving honor to her as the weaker vessel. Now, but every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, verse 5. 
Watch what he says. Not in the lust of concupiscence. That's a big word. You want that in the New King James? <laughs> okay. Let me give it to you in the New King James. Um, because I like the way it reads there. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust. What is that? Passion of lust. Desiring people to look at me. Not in passion of lust. Even as the Gentiles, which know not God. That's what people that don't know God do. That's what Paul's saying. Verse 6. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness. Notice how Paul tied this to uncleanness. But unto holiness. Watch verse 8. He, therefore, that despiseth, despiseth what? Despises how he possesses his own vessel. He, therefore, that despiseth, doesn't despise man, but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. What's he say? The Spirit should lead you so you know how to possess the vessel in sanctification and honor. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have put a distinction in separating us unto yourselves. Not of legalism, not of stepping back into the law. But your word gives us guidelines because of your love toward us and your desire to manifest your glory through us. I pray let this holy word be written upon the fleshy tables of our heart. Let your law be written in our minds according to the utterance in Hebrews, I pray. Lord Jesus, that we would possess this vessel in sanctification and honor unto you, that you would be glorified. That you would be glorified, Lord. I pray tonight this word find its mark in every life according to your will. In any way where the adversary would try to twist it, I bind that deception. I pray the purity and the love of God in this word marking the heart of each individual tonight. Jesus, we want to honor you. We want to glorify you, not as Pharisees would, just checking off boxes, but in relationship with you, in right relationship with you, honoring our head, glorifying you, reflecting your image. In the name of Jesus, I pray. I pray your blessing upon this people, the leading of the Holy Ghost concerning this word in our daily lives. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. Thank you for your reception of the word tonight. I know I went, it's 823. So thank you for giving me that extra time. Amen. I appreciate it so much. It's important. And, and again, if this brought questions to you, ask them. Write them down. Bring them to Amen. Announcements before I forget. Men.
Men's conference, talking about men and women. Men's conference is February the 17th through the 19th. I just learned this a couple of days ago. The dates got changed. February the 17th through the 19th. It is in Ellensburg, not Everett. Everything got changed. So you could probably work Thursday and still make it on time. Just guessing. All right? Uh, so it's in Ellensburg. Uh, we, we can talk more about it later. If you're wanting to stay up there, we can look at hotels. I think we may have reserved some. Uh, just thinking about people on the west side. I, would, I will probably come back and forth. I just like my own bed better than a hotel bed. That's just me. Uh, but I, I also know the fellowship is very important, so we'll see. We will see. But, yeah, it's February 17th through 19th in Ellensburg. Ladies, ladies' conference is in May, and I don't know the dates, but you all probably do. Okay? It's on the board. Okay, there you go. It is in Leavenworth. Okay? Yeah. Men, Ellensburg, ladies, Leavenworth. Right? So, I don't want to go to Leavenworth. I'm happy with Ellensburg. Okay? Um, let me just say this, ladies. We have already reserved multiplicity of rooms. Okay? We have hotel rooms that can sleep four. We have also reserved condos that can sleep eight or six. Two different sizes, six or eight. Okay? The condos have a couple of bedrooms and a living room that makes a couch and a kitchen and, okay? But the condos are more expensive than the hotel. As you might imagine, I think the hotel was like 85 a person, and don't quote me on this. I'm just giving you an idea of the difference. And the condos were like 155 a person. So it's dramatically different. There's a difference. Um, but anyway, we have already reserved those. So we'll give you a deadline somewhere along the way, ladies and men. Ladies, you'll need to let my wife know if you're planning on going and who's going with you. Um, because we will be releasing some of these rooms that we've reserved or making them available uh, also to others in different congregations in Life Church. But since we reserved them all, you get first dibs. Okay. Now, if you... We would like to ask this. I know people like to bring guests. You can do that. But we're, these rooms we reserve, we're first going to make sure they're available to all the ladies in the church. Okay? Don't mind you inviting other people to go to ladies' conference. I think that's wonderful, or men's conference. But first priority on these rooms is going to be ladies in the church. Is that fair? Um. We had ladies come last year that got the Holy Ghost. We thank God for that. We made room where we could. We had some where, like, we can't. You need to get your own room. We weren't being unkind, but we'll do that again. <laughs> okay. We're, we just want to make sure that all of you have a room first. Okay. And so if you know ahead of time, hey, I know for sure this person's going, we'll probably draw the line a lot sooner so that we can have money in because... If we can't cancel these, they're a lot more expensive. Okay? 
More to come on that. I just wanted to get you that information so you knew. God bless you. Greet somebody. You're dismissed. Go play in the snow.